people don't always know what they want um, and they behave sometimes very differently when they're not aware that they are being monitored, <laughs> to be honest. So I would say we are more agile. Um, we, we don't commit to anything. We want to do what makes sense and we try that out and see where it goes there. I wouldn't say we are more patient. We're just more open to being wrong and uh, adjusting ourselves based on the results of what we see. Amir Bolori. He is the head of engagement marketing and content marketing at Emma Sleep. You can find out more about Emma Sleep at emma-sleep.com. And he gives some amazing advice and takes you behind the scenes of what he does at Emma Sleep. And it's, as you can tell, very strategic, very step-by-step. I think you're going to learn so much about taking your time and getting to know your customers, finding out what they want so you can grow on a global scale. And in this podcast episode, he's going to talk about how he treats every individual country as its own startup because people in different places, they want different things. And he is really going to unpack how he finds all of that information out. It's super interesting. I know you are going to love this episode with Amir. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Hello, Amir. Thank you so much for joining me on the Become a Media Maven podcast. Hi, Christina. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you. You guys, Emma Mattress, you guys were on um, The Balancing Act not too long ago, and I am a host on The Balancing Act, so I thought, I got to get this guy on my show to talk about everything he does marketing because you do it on a pretty big level in North America and globally. So I'm excited to learn from you. But first, tell me a little bit about what you did on The Balancing Act. Sure, definitely. So um, so actually one of our founders was presenter at the time, uh, Dennis Schmolzi. And he was kind of going through our product uh, that we've launched in the U.S., which is a little bit different than uh, what we've had uh, in the rest of the countries where we are presenting. And uh, yeah, so it was getting through the product, talking about sleep. And as a company, you know, we understand the importance of sleep. So we are moving away kind of from being just a mattress company. And we really want to highlight that, that, you know, sleep is not just about mattress. And that's why we were on the balancing act at the time. I love that. Something that I work with my clients on at my PR agency is we don't just focus on the product. We focus on the bigger meeting and we get the people behind the product to almost be thought leaders in that space. So for you, you guys are selling mattresses and pillows and mattress protectors. So obviously you have to talk about sleep and the importance of sleep. And it just opens the door. Speaking from an earned media point of view, it opens the door to earning so much media because you can speak to both product and expertise as a thought leader. So I love that. That's awesome. And everybody sleeps. So this is kind of relevant to everybody. Definitely. Okay, awesome. So tell me, when you started at Emma, 
You were focused more on the North American team. Now you're playing a global role. I want to get into how that shift happened and how your your day-to-day changed with that. But first, let's let's start with the North American team. Um, your title is the head of engagement marketing, which I love that title. I've never heard that title before. And you explained to me um, it involves a lot of content marketing. So talk to me, like, let's go back to when you led the North American team. What was the day-to-day like and what sort of things did you do at Emma? Sure. Um, I would love to go through that. Actually, so I joined Emma in um, October 2018, and uh, that's when we were launching the U.S. Um, The U.S. team at the time was two people, myself and one intern. So this was as startup-y as it could get. Uh, I remember there was a point where we needed to, uh, we did not, because we are all based in Frankfurt, Germany, and the product was not here, so we did not have the pictures to put on the website. Um, We did have a cover of the product, though, so... Me and, you know, my colleague that uh, was working at the time with me had to go and fill up this cover with scrap foam that we found around the office so we could take the product photos at the time. Um, It was definitely a challenge. So the way we operate and the way we launch in every single country is that uh, we treat each country as its own mini startup. And it really, you go through those very rough uh, segments of a startup. Um, And the US market was a very different market than any other market we had been in. Uh, So every day was a new challenge, not just for my team, um, but also for the company. Uh, Marketing costs were significantly higher compared to Europe and um, the customer behavior was very different. Uh, In Europe, people were more product oriented. The marketing message played a much bigger role in the U.S. Um, so on a day-to-day activity, I would say for the first six months, we were just learning how the market behaves. Um, and, uh, you know, throughout trial and error, just trying and testing and, uh, you know, just experience, experimenting with the different messagings we had and so on, uh, we kind of found ourselves in the market. And then from there, we started expanding. Uh, because by then we knew how the customer behaves. Uh, we understood uh, what are the things that the customer actually cares about. And we optimized both the product and our product portfolio and also the plan ahead uh, in terms of R&D to make sure that we can truly establish ourselves in that market. Um, down the line, so later last year, towards the end of the year, we also decided to explore Canada and Mexico. Um, Canada has been very similar to the U.S. I mean, there's a lot of differences uh, compared to the U.S., but I would say it's much closer to the U.S. than other countries we've been present in. Um, On the other hand, uh, Mexico was a lot of fun for me because Mexico was a market that everything we did worked. And this was the opposite of the U.S., where we had to go through so much of trial and error Till we got to the point that something actually worked, and um, so it, it was it was uh, a lot of ups and downs, I would say, in these uh, last year and a half, roughly speaking. And uh, most of it was just testing and learning and optimizing and testing and learning, optimizing and just going in that circle till we got it right. 
Oh my gosh. I love that. That's so interesting. And I love that you spent six months just trying to figure out what worked in the United States, because I feel like now people are so impatient. Like I have clients that after four months, they're like, wait, I'm still not famous. I'm still not on the cover of Forbes. It's been four months. When is this going to happen? And I'm like, serious people, this, this stuff takes time. So you spent six months learning what people in the U.S. cared about, how they, how their behavior was when it came to marketing and selling. So how did you figure out what they cared about? Because I think this is something a lot of marketers and business owners struggle with is how do you even figure that out? Because so many people, they do the wrong thing for years. Sure, definitely. And there's two ways to approach this. Um, one way is, you know, when you do the traditional market surveys and market studies and focus groups and so on, um, what we have realized, uh, again, through experience by launching Bearing 22 countries by now, and what we've realized is that, um, yeah, that doesn't always work, especially at the launch point, because people don't always know what they want. Um, and they behave sometimes very differently when they're not aware that they are being monitored, <laughs> to be honest. So um, at the time, what we were doing is, uh, was a lot of active testing. Um, so for messaging, for example, for to coming up with the USPs currently, it's, uh, you know, the current messaging that we have on our website is the European sleep experience. To get to this point, we were running uh, Google ads um, in the form of testing essentially on Google ads, even though the channel was not profitable for us at the time, just for the sake of understanding the market and what are the messages that uh, resonate with the people uh, who are actively searching for mattresses. Um, so kind of reverse engineering the system and going deep into that to understand, yeah, okay, this is this works, this is what people like, but then they land on the page and they don't get what they signed up for. So, okay, let's change this now and uh, maybe change the UX of the website a bit and see how the, the customer is going to behave in response to that. So it was, you know, kind of actively um, doing these live tests on the websites and, you know, putting our money where our mouth is, uh, because that's the only way that we can actually see how this invisible customer is behaving. I love that. And I love that you ran Google ads to test your messages instead of saying, day one, I'm going to run a Google ad to sell this stuff. Do you find that you are more patient and maybe more strategic than others? I mean, what do you say to people who they kind of skip this part or they they sweep it under the rug because they just want to get to the sales and and this is a vital foundation for people to have i would say we are more agile um we we don't commit to anything we want to do what makes sense and if we don't have any strong reason to think that for example americans care about german engineering which is a strong usb in a lot of countries we are active in um, obviously, it's going to be one of the things we're going to test, but we're not going to be committed to it. If people really don't care about the, you know, the, the engineering that has gone into the mattress, we're not going to force it on them. Um, so uh, kind of, I think it's, again, going back to rational decision making, which is at the core of our company. Um, we just go ahead and see what makes sense. And we try that out and see where it goes there. 
I wouldn't say we are more patient. We're just more open to being wrong and uh, adjusting ourselves based on the results of what we see. I love that. And I have to ask this, you said this, and I'm very curious. Why do you think everything you did worked in Mexico? Uh, I mean, one major key difference was the competition uh, or lack thereof. Um, so the market, surprisingly, a lot of the American companies are not present in Mexico. Um, so the competition is quite low, especially with, within the foreign brand segment. Um, it is a relatively new concept, which brings up new challenges because to buy a mattress online, it takes a lot of years of customers getting comfortable with that uh, kind of uh, purchase uh, to do that without touching it and feeling it and, you know, trusting the product. Um, so Mexico, one was, again, lack of competition. The other thing um, was that marketing costs were quite low. So that allowed us to test a lot faster and a lot more aggressively. And uh, finally, the product was the right product for the market. And uh, unlike the American consumers, the Mexican consumers really would go and research the inside of the product and see the technicality of it, which was a surprise to us because we, we, we kind of, we were under the feeling that, okay, Mexico is not going to be too different than the US. It's going to be cheaper. Yeah. But it's not going to be too different in terms of consumer behavior, um, within the price point we have. Um, and yeah, and those were the major differences there and the Mexican consumer behave very much like the European consumers we have. That's very interesting. And you mentioned the struggle or I guess the um, the challenge of people buying a mattress online where they can't lay on it or, you know, the pillow, they can't feel it or touch it. So how do you overcome that obstacle? I mean, obviously, we do have... Um Kind of what we call the risk-free experience right so you can purchase the product you have 100 nights to try it and that's um, a lot of nights yeah exactly that's over three months that you can sleep on this product and if you don't like it we'll pick it up free of charge no questions asked um and so that's one side of it but what we've seen in countries where the e-commerce segment is not as um, let's say, developed as some other countries. And we had the same problem in Southern Europe, for example. So in Italy, Spain, Portugal, um, that people are still, this is not enough for them. Um, they still want to see and feel the product. Now, in certain places, we might decide to work with some local retailers for the customers to be able to go and have that in-person experience. But down the line, that's not where we want to go. We are here to actually be able to provide a cheaper product directly to the consumers by cutting out the retailers. Um, and that's essentially, we have that as a parallel kind of a concept. So we accommodate the consumer behavior to some extent, but we are also actively working on changing um, the purchasing culture within the segment, being the mattress segment. Um, and that goes through different mediums that such as uh, TV ads that we run or possibly we could have educational videos on some areas or working on uh, customer reviews and customer experiences to, to really show that this is something that is actually, there is really no risk. You can't go wrong with this. Um, so 
yeah, on the one hand, we might give in a little bit into the culture. On the other hand, we actively work on changing the consumer behavior. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, you sold me. I'd buy a mattress online if I could try it out for a hundred nights. And if I said, hey, come get it, you get it. No questions asked. That's amazing. Um, before we get to the switch from North American to global, I want to talk about your marketing and, and the content that you're putting out there. So when I talk to my listeners, we talk about the three forms of media, owned media, you know, your social website, your social media, your website, earned media, which is what we do at our PR agency, where we earn you exposure in the media without paying for it, no ads. And then of course there's advertising. So can you talk to me about the US team and what kind of different forms of media you guys are putting out there and what kind of content you're creating to market, Emma? Sure, definitely. Um, so the US has been a little bit more unique um, compared to the other countries we're presenting. And again, that goes into the high marketing costs and us going with the rational decision-making model uh, which is we just do what makes sense. Um, so in the US, we've, we've tried a lot of things. So we've tried TV commercials, for example, and we realized, okay, it's not the time right now. So we paused it and we will revisit it again because it's going to be a major uh, ch uh, channel down the line for us in terms of the revenues we're going to bring in and the number of products that we're going to be able to sell. Um, the focus right now is on building trust uh, and maybe that's one of the reasons that for example we decided okay we're going to go on the balancing act um, and present our products there because this brings up a level of trust in a market where we are unknown where we have recently entered and we uh, you know we don't invest as much in uh, branding the way other companies do. Um, we are not comfortable running a business unprofitably for years. Um, so going back to that, so uh, we are working on building up the trust. Now, affiliates play a huge role in this. Um, and in the US, the affiliate market uh, is quite big. Um, if you could go on Google ads during especially holiday sales, uh, such as Black Friday, you have up to 50% of the bids in our category could be from these affiliates or aggregators who are also actively bidding on these keywords that we are interested in as well. So they're getting some traffic. And if you are on their pages, then that traffic could potentially come to our page. Um, and our paid media right now is focused there while we can build up an infra infrastructure that can accommodate um, the other channels as well. Uh, within the earned media, obviously, we're on social media channels, and uh, actually my current team uh, creates the strategy for that, whether it's through influencer marketing or um, regular social media posts. We are, as mentioned at the beginning, we are trying to move into uh, becoming sleep experts, and uh, we do have uh, neuroscientists in-house uh, here that work in our R&D department that are actively researching brain waves and uh, generally sleeping patterns and behaviors. Um, and we, we will be putting more and more of that out there and establishing ourselves as real sleep experts, not just a mattress company. And, um, and finally, in terms of the earned media, I mean, 
PR has been quite nice and it's been one of the most profitable channels for us in the US. It has been. Yeah, it has been really. It's it's been one of the and and I know there's a lot of startups that actually start with PR just because other channels are so expensive and it's so hard to make paid media profitable in the US uh, within the very competitive segments such as ours. So that actually plays a huge role. And uh, depending on what we are focusing on, our PR activities could go higher and lower. Um, but uh, essentially, we are present all across the board. I have to tell you, with your um, focus growing and being known as the sleep experts with your scientists in-house, like your PR and your earned media can go through the roof because now more than ever, so many people want to talk about self-care and they want to talk about productivity. And now we have so many people working from home, not just temporarily, but now they're going to be working from home, you know, for years to come because they have seen that it works so well. So I think like this, the sleep expert angle, in addition to promoting the product and getting it earned media, like you have amazing possibilities and so much potential. And then to add to your part about the affiliate marketing piece, I have um, a couple of product-based clients, you know, like Emma would be on our roster. And even though we do earned media, the affiliate piece actually is working in conjunction with that, even though it's kind of like it's paid. And that's because people aren't advertising like they used to. You know, you mentioned it's it's very expensive. You don't get the same authority or credibility as you do when people know you're paying to be there. So when you work with um, a media outlet as an affiliate, they get that little kickback when people click on that link and buy something and then they're making money. So I know a lot of journalists, we pitch a lot of our clients um, to the media and they we they tell us they say hey does this person have an affiliate program because you know we work with share a sale or do they sell on Amazon because we you know have um, an affiliate program with them and it increases our clients' chances of coverage so much more if they work with an affiliate program than if they don't because not only are they doing their job by crafting their story and getting their story out there. But they're also making um, the rest of their team and higher ups happy because when they get those clicks and those buys, they also earn some money. So, you know, we've learned, especially these last couple of years, how so much of this, these different forms of media, they all work together and they all overlap. Definitely, definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, um, if you're putting the right things in the marketing funnel, um, you do get to your target and there's different ways to achieve that. Um, and you know, some people start with focusing on building up the brand first and then uh, getting into the consideration uh, segment of the funnel all the way down to the conversion. Um, and uh, we try to focus on actually working on the conversion first and down the line as we are focusing on that building up the brand, uh, which is we've done successfully, uh, you know, we followed this pattern and we have been able to achieve this successfully in several countries um, where we are the market leaders uh, within the segment. So it is something that works, but 
obviously you need to be flexible and agile and adapt yourself to every single market and go through the different levels of the funnel and you know focus on the right things in there to get to the point where you want to get to exactly okay so then you went global you led the north american team and now you play a bigger role for the whole world so tell us tell us how that changes your day to day because now we're not just focusing on north america we spent all that time figuring out how us North Americans are marketing to. We got that figured out. We doubled down on what works. And then what does it look like when you go globally? <laughs> yes, definitely there were a lot of changes because, I mean, as a global team, um, like it or not, you do become kind of like a consultant to the country teams. Um, and the, the, the tables turn. Uh, it's It's you know, you have 22 countries for all your stakeholders. You have the other marketing teams in the company who are kind of your stakeholders. You rely on them. They rely on you. Uh, so that, that dynamics change a lot. You need to understand every single market a little bit more. And you're not in a position to execute as much. Um, so the execution, at least in our company, for the most part, falls on the country teams. Um, so you are limited a little bit. But the nice thing about it is that you have the time to to focus on uh, the strategy that takes each channel that you're working on to the next level. Um, and that's kind of what we're doing right now in my team is that whether it's influencer marketing, whether it's consumer insights or um, whether it's PR, finding ways and, you know, taking, for example, let's say the U.S. to do a test in PR and then see if this works. And if it works, we take the learnings and apply it to other markets. Um, so that's currently kind of what we're doing, uh, you know, in the global team. Again, dynamics are very different, but it's a new challenge. Uh, it's it's a lot more strategic on some levels. Um, and it's it's exciting. I'm, I'm really excited. It's, it's still new. I started in April in this role. So it's still quite new and it's a lot of fun. That is very cool. Now tell us, I mean, we've been talking about Emma, what you do at Emma, you know, for 25 minutes now. Can you tell us a little bit about the products? You have mattresses, which I'm assuming a mattress is your core product, but then you also have the protector and you also have the pillow. So tell us a little bit about the products because we can't ignore the products here. Sure, definitely. So, uh, I mean, Emma itself was born in 2015 and uh, with the Emma mattress. Um, and that was the only product we had at the time. And uh, it was actually, uh, you know, an intern's idea in our company uh, because we did have other brands that we were working on and an e-commerce business. And uh, so, you know, we decided to work on it back then. And this became our core product and our main um, source of business now today. Um, so what we did that was different than other players in the market back then is that we had engineers develop the mattress. So instead of just putting, you know, some layers of foam on top of each other, um, one of the first things we did is that we created a very small R&D team at the time, very young, very small R&D team um, that actually developed a mattress that had proper zonings and proper cutouts. And we took advantage of the, um, the engineering talents that uh, Germany is famous for 
And yeah, we created a super matches, let's say, because at the, I mean, since then we're still continuously winning uh, awards in different European countries that we're active in, uh, most recently in Germany, actually. Uh, so that was the core of the product. Then obviously as the business grew and as uh, our R&D team developed, we started having the pillow, which again, a layered pillow. So not just a piece of foam, uh, you know, in a cover, but rather different kinds of foam um, placed on top of each other. It's an adjustable pillow, so you can take out the layers and adjust it to your own preference. Um, and uh, yeah, so then, then the pillow came, the mattress protector came, um, and the bed frame came. And so in the US, we're not currently selling the bed frame, but uh, we do have that in other countries as well. And now, as mentioned, we are trying to move away from the mattress. I mean, well, I mean, we feel like we've mastered the art of building mattresses um, and, and smaller products, but we're actually moving into becoming a sleep tech company. Um, and what that means is that, I mean, the first product is still a mattress, uh, but we're we are developing our own smart bed, which will be launched actually in the U.S. probably by October. Um, and that's one of the exciting products we have. Uh, but we're also testing out other products uh, that are more focused on improving your sleep that are not your mattress, so rather gadgets that will help you out. We are developing our own app um, that will help you out uh, track your sleep and um, make sure that you know you are getting your eight hours, nine hours, whatever your body needs every night. Um, so that's where the product portfolio is going towards. And that's why the R&D team in our company has become one of the most important teams we have. It, it was always from the beginning. And that's why we were able to create this amazing product um, that, you know, a lot of the U.S. competitors uh, that we hear a lot about have tried to be in this market and this tiny, small uh, startup in Frankfurt, Germany managed to uh, kind of prevent them from going here. And a lot of them have gone back multiple times. Uh, so essentially going into the product, uh, we very much focus on the details of the product. And partially one of the reasons for that is something that I referenced to earlier, which is European consumers are very technical when it comes to the product. So they will go and read the details, like every single detail of the product, something I would personally never do. Um, and you, you get surprised. They, they go into the density of the foam of the mattress, uh, for example, that they're buying. Um, so that kind of made us kind of work on that area a little bit more. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a wide range of, uh, so we try to keep it simple because that's again, our business model. We don't want to confuse the customer. We have one or two products within each category that should cover 95% of the people um, and their preferences, but we are adding more and more products that will give a better sleep experience uh, to the consumers we have. That's awesome. I love that you are moving more into becoming a sleep tech company because just from like a PR standpoint, like you can earn so much exposure with that expertise. That is amazing. And I have one last question. Where does Emma come from? Is that named after somebody? Um, no, interesting question. Um, so 
at the time when they were choosing a name for the mattress, uh, if, if I remember correctly from the stories I've heard, is that they looked up what is the most popular female name. I'm not sure if it was in Europe or globally, uh, but you know, it was essentially the most popular female name. And um, that's how they went with it. That is amazing. And you're right. Yeah. Listen, I just Googled it and I just saw Emma for the fifth year in a row is at number one. Yeah. And yeah, we started in 2015. So yeah, that, that makes sense. That's unbelievable. Yes, it says um, specifically starting in 2014, Emma has been in the top three, if not the number one name. That's funny. I love that. What a cool story. <laughs> Amir, thank you so much. You have been a wealth of knowledge and information. Um, to find out more about Emma, to order your mattress. I mean, people, you have nothing to lose. You can sleep on it for 100 days. Free delivery, free pickup, the whole thing. Go to emma-sleep.com. Amir, is there anything else you want to add that um, maybe I forgot to ask about? No, thank you so much, Christina. Uh, thank you for having me here. It was exciting talking about it and kind of making me remember the old times when I started here and we started the market. Uh, again, going from a team of two people to now 20 people as a company, moving from 100 people to 400 people, and in my head going through all of these while telling the stories is quite exciting. So thank you so much for the talk. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to know more about Emma Sleep, just check out emma-sleep.com. And if you haven't already, please do me a favor and tap that subscribe button. Leave me an honest rating or a review. Let me know how you are liking the Become a Media Maven podcast. Remember, you can always check out the show notes in your podcast app or at becomeamediamaven.com. And you can also find me on social media at Christina All Day. Thanks again for listening.